Hey guys, we are As Is Millennials. And our aim is to be as he is in this world. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, it's Taylor. And I'm Whitney. And we are back for another episode of As Is. We are so excited to be with you guys, like always. So again, thanks so much for being on this journey with us as we just continue to learn what it is to um, to become as he is, to become as Jesus Christ is here in the earth and give him space and opportunity to be God in the earth through us, his people, his vessels. So on this episode, we are going to get into a topic that seems to be pretty popular. Um, Right now, it's not anything that's new because as we know, (laughs) there's nothing new under the sun. So this is something that has been happening over time. Um, for era, for eras, for, for, for times upon times, this has been something that has been happening, but this has become something that is seemingly very popular right now as it relates to the Christian faith. And that is the term deconstruction. Um, we have been seeing a little bit, both, both me and Winnie been seeing, um, a few things on deconstruction Here of late, it seems like it's been coming up every now and then. And even when we were doing some research, I found that this is a conversation as relates to Christianity that has been happening for a long time. Um, I saw articles that even dated back to like 2006. So this is not, again, this is not anything that's new, but for some reason in the last couple of years, it seems like it has taken on, has taken on a very, um, rampant role in in the lives of many believers, so much to the point uh, we found out um, that there's a whole TikTok community that is, you know, having these discussions. There, this whole deconstruction discussion, this deconstructing the Christian faith, deconstructing Christianity, and I mean TikTokers that span from generation. Um, I'm sorry, those got those are my notes. From generation X to generation Z. People as old as as older as in their fifties to those who are as young as high school students taking the TikTok to discuss uh the deconstruction of their Christian faith. So this is a very, very, very interesting interesting conversation because when we look at the term deconstruction, when you first look at where it came from, what it actually means, its origins, and then you compare it to how we're using the term as it relates to our Christian faith, we have found that there um, there's a lot of discrepancies. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, again, a popular term, a popular phrasing. But I don't know that everybody that calls that is saying that they're deconstructing their faith is really clear on what they're deconstructing. Yeah. So I think it's important what we're going to do on this episode. We're going to begin to talk about this and we want to give some definition and break down some of the origin of some of these things um, and really discuss what it is to quote unquote deconstruct your Christian faith and your walk with the Lord. So, um, Whitney, let's, let's, uh, let's go to you. Um, <laughs> and some of you, she's, she's looking around. She's the only Whitney in this room. Um, I promise guys, I'm not talking to myself. I promise she's right here. Say something, Whitney. Oh, silence. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
So rude. That was so great. rude. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> but Whitney, mm-hmm. Whitney. Yes. Deconstruction. What are some of the things that you found that this word, like, what what is deconstruction? We'll start by just kind of talking about some of the actual definitions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, deconstruction is a method of critical analysis of a philosophical and literary language, mm-hmm. which emphasizes uh, the internal workings of language and conceptual systems. So basically, you're it began as a way to analyze literary works. It's a philosophical term. It was it was began by a philosopher, but not necessarily the way that we would use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're looking at what deconstruction is nowadays, the the point of the the point is to kind of go back to the foundations of what you possibly believe, how you learn to believe what you believe, your theology, your ideals, your ideology, um, the systems of belief in which you have. It's not necessarily just a religious belief, but your systems of belief that you have and aligning them with what you believe is real, um, what you believe is tangibly true. Um, That's what people are doing now, right? More Mm -hmm. or less their belief systems. But originally it was a way to compare and break down and analyze literary works. Um, you're going back to kind of identify what the author actually says or has written versus what they may have meant, um, syntax, language, all of the above. It's an analyze, It's analyzing all of that. However, when we take it back to where it kind of began, we, upon research, run into a gentleman ma- named... Jack Derrida, if you mm-hmm. Jacques is actually how you say it, mm-hmm. but Derrida, a philosopher more or less, who lived a life in which he experienced or was plagued with bigotry, more or less racism, inequality. Those, you know, he was he grew up in a time where there was a lot of anti-Semitism. He was a Jewish. Uh, he grew up in a Jewish community, if you will, mm-hmm. and he grew up in an area where he was affected by the exclusion that uh, denoted that based on between Islamic or Islamic belief system, his belief system in Christianity. And so his point of view was to look at and analyze the difference in his belief system or what was considered to be the absolute compared to what was considered to not be the better, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So compare, basically saying, okay, you say this is all right. Your belief system is all right. How do I how can you say mine is not all right? Let's compare the two and say that your higher way of thinking may not be the highest. Um, and we may have some common ground more than not. Yeah. So like when he was saying, like where he was from, the dominant, you had three different religions yes. that were in the, the area. So the Islamic belief, the Christian belief, and then Jew, Judaism mm-hmm. and his um, religion and him as a Jew, he was his community was deemed as the lesser than. Yes. Um, but for all that area was dominated by the Islamic belief. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so interesting because, yes, as Whitney was pointing out, when he came up with the term deconstruction, basically he was looking at a way. So, for instance, the the dominant belief was the, like I said, the Islamic Christianity. So basically 
can we poke holes on the belief system that has been preferred? Mm -hmm. So if we can poke holes in the belief system that has been preferred, whatever that is, whether Mm -hmm. it's a particular faith that's um, preferred, whether it's men preferred over women, Mm -hmm. whether it's, what did he say? Oh yeah, classism. I know he even looked at things like reason versus Mm -hmm. passion. If reason is what's preferred over passion, well, the things that we're overlooking, such as passion, such as women, such mm-hmm. as, you know, these, the things that are in contrast, what we're overlooking, can we poke holes in what has been preferred? Because we say that those things are the absolute because mm-hmm. they are preferred. Can we poke holes in it and see if these, what has deemed, has been deemed lesser than or what has been deemed as insignificant? Mm-hmm. Do they have some truth that can then Fill those holes, or should they be be the preferred versus them mm-hmm. than what society has you know mm-hmm. chosen? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting because if we take that original definition of deconstruction and we're applying it to Christianity, for those you know who who say that they are deconstructing their faith, what we're saying is let's see if we can poke holes in this. And maybe consider and think about, well, some of the things that we have deemed as less than when it comes to faith and when it, when it becomes to spirituality and when it become, when it comes to belief, these things that we have deemed as less than and insignificant, well, maybe they really do have some truth to them. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to poke holes in this faith that I've grown up in, what has been preferred, what I've been taught to see, well, is it really absolute? Or am I missing something? Am I missing out on some other spirituality that could actually be the truth? Mm-hmm. So when we apply it like that, it, it's it's very interesting, the, the lens that we're looking at this through. If we take what Derrida actually meant by this, this term deconstruction, and like Whitney pointed out, this came out of his experience, mm-hmm. what he experienced Growing up in the community he grew up in, what he had to endure, the things that he um, suffered, suffered the the bigotry that he faced, the exclusion that he faced, this idea, this way of thought came out of that. So it's interesting to me that we, as a Christian faith, have has now or at some point took hold of this philosophical term, and now we're applying it to assessing our own faith. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, the interesting part is that we're dealing with, we're taking someone's negative experience based on what was errantly done. Because at the Mm -hmm. same time, Derrida wasn't necessarily saying that it was because these people lived this or had this belief system, they behaved that way. Their belief system was that their actions were the higher actions. So again, he's questioning how he was treated by human error. Right. Mm -hmm. We can we can say that when when we're looking at the face of oppression and things like that, tagging sometimes, oftentimes, especially when we deal with Christianity, tagging a religious belief system or a thought process to how someone behaved Mm -hmm. and questioning their behavior, not necessarily their belief system. And that is a lot of what of what Derrida did. We treat, let's say, men and women, we treat women inferiorly because we say man is the better 
well, is there not a is there not truth to saying that men need women and women need men? Mm-hmm. Is there a place that we can kind of come together, common ground, and live amongst one another and treat each other in the earth fairly? Mm-hmm. So we took a humanitarian issue, a humanitarian thought process, uh, which basically comes down to character and how we treat one another and how we behave with one another. We took that and now we're applying it to using this humanistic, humanitarian thought process to break down the tenets of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. When in reality, what's happening is you're having a lot of people question what they were taught by people through their person experience, Mm -hmm. because we're coming away from the text in this Mm -hmm. um, and we're dealing with individual's personal experience with church or a or a specific belief system um that isn't always that wasn't necessarily always biblical right and we are they're using their questioning of the way those they were treated and those actions to then tear down the ministry of Jesus Christ or mm-hmm. the Christian faith mm-hmm. Um, and so I think even when we're starting out talking about this, like what is deconstruction, how it began, where does it come from? Even now that we've looked at some of those things, how do we, how does it fit into how it plays into the Christian faith? Mm-hmm. And are we correctly separating what it is we're analyzing? Are we analyzing our behaviors, a general behavior as um, some individuals in the Christian faith? Or are we literally analyzing the text the biblical truth and saying, where do I fit? Where does my belief system fit inside of that? And are we allowing ourselves to come um, front and center or face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we looking for a, another, I don't know, theory to attach ourselves to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing. That's why I'm like, this, this conversation is pretty loaded. It's it's so much, so many different directions you can go in because, Mm -hmm. Again, looking at this, this is a philosophical term. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking previous to, you know, previous to this, when you view Christian or or Christianity as a philosophy, well, yes, it's easy to attach this word yeah. to to Christianity. Yeah. Some people, like you pointed out, some people do view Christianity as a philosophy by which they live. Yeah. Some people refer to, refer to Jesus Christ as a great philosopher. But again, that's uh, that is just us having an idea of him, an mm-hmm. idea of what he taught, not actually, like you said, coming front and center with him, mm-hmm. who he is, what he established, why he established, right? Yeah. So it's like that. That's one thing when it comes to this conversation, and then the. And like I said, and then this, this is such a popular term. You have a lot of people, a lot of young people. Oh, yeah, I'm deconstructing my faith. Yeah, I had to deconstruct my faith. You know, I really just, I needed to deconstruct my faith. And I'm like, that's that's cool, but what are you deconstructing? Because literally, if we apply the original spirit behind this word, what dare to what birth, what came out of Derrida because of his experience. You're saying that I need to poke holes in what I've been taught because it's a very, it's a strong possibility that what I've been taught that is less than Jesus Christ, that is less than the gospels is actually could have some truth, some bearing that I really need to consider. Oh, there are holes in this Christian faith. Well, then I can fill it with Buddhism. I can fill it with Hinduism. I can fill it with the truth that's found 
found in some Islamic beliefs. I can feel like I can mm-hmm. feel it with new age and spirituality. I can feel it with good vibes, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be okay. It mm-hmm. should be all right. Mm-hmm. But we cannot have this idea, this fear of missing out, this yes, FOMO, yes. basically that we're then applying and saying, well. Well, I mean, maybe this whole Jesus thing is not it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, this this conversation, it really does span a lot of things it because does. I'm just like, I'm not really sure a lot of people re- recognize what they're deconstructing. Yes. Are we deconstructing the Christian faith as a whole? Yes. Or are we looking solely at our own personal experience, experience that yes. we've had and the things we've seen people do, the hypocrisy of people? Yes. Let me just say this. Sometimes, a lot of times, people suck. And yes. there have been things that people have done and said in the name of the Lord, and it has, it. Exactly. it has been utterly wrong. It has been so wrong. It has been hypocritical. Yeah. So... I can understand if you've had certain uh, certain experiences, things you've seen, things that hurt you, that hurt your family, things that you've seen ministers and ministries do that was completely wrong. I get it. And then you have questions. Yes. But I believe it's important for us to be able to separate God from man. But the Thank only you. way you can do that mm-hmm. is if you know him. If you meet him. That's the beauty. Like That's what's interesting to delineating what it is that you're deconstructing. And I appreciate you saying that because it brings greater attention to your, the difference between your faith and your ideals yes. and ideology versus the, versus the biblical faith, biblical truth. Exactly. Faith versus faith in Jesus Christ versus knowing Jesus Christ, the person exactly learning his person through the text, which is alive in his written, which is his written person, Mm -hmm. learning that the purpose of being able to look at this from where it originated, even from what Derrida's philosophy, what he experienced, the purpose of being able to go back and do that is to be able to do your own research, your own uh, deductions, if you will, to separate, like you said, to separate man's fallacies and the truth of God. And being honest with yourself along the way, many of us grew up in church, did or did not pay attention, whatever, but be honest with how much you actually, it be, it became your personal experience. Mm-hmm. How, how often did you spend time getting to know the Lord? Yeah. How often did you spend time in your word, learning of the word and not by rote um, responsibility? Mm-hmm. How often did you do things just to do them because that's what was popularly done? Mm-hmm. Or, or did you actually meet and have a a true encounter with Jesus Christ. And I don't mean just an emotional encounter. Do you need to feel the tangible spirit and move the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But if that's all you're running after, then you're still not meeting the full person. Right. How much of Christ do you honestly know? And when you're going into this to begin to separate what you've experienced versus what who he is, are you honestly going to meet him or are, are you looking for reasons and ways that you can do the things that you want to do with your flesh, but the word says you cannot? Exactly. Because that is also another thing we're running into. Yes. We want a palatable Christianity that allows us to do whatever it is that we want, however we want it, but yet still say that this loving God will still accept me as is. Exactly. Listen, you can come to the throne just as you are. He will accept you, but you cannot choose to stay that way. And anyone that expects the Lord to do that is selfish and immature mm-hmm. by birth period mm-hmm. because we would you're as a parent you feel the same way as a friend you feel the same way as a spouse a significant other you would feel the same way 
your significant other or a close person of you cannot continue to come to you and do the things that you do not like that they know you don't care for mm-hmm. and expect and you expect them to accept you with open arms and you can keep doing that over and over and over again yeah. the beauty of the Lord is that he will always have his arms open to you but you cannot continue to flip him off and tell him he will be who you want him to be that's not fair mm-hmm And you would not allow someone else to do that to you. So in this mode of deconstruction, even when we're talking about it, we want to be able to highlight the fact that there is nothing wrong with going in and and analyzing your belief system, where it came from, where it began, what you actually believe, what you actually know, what is different between what you've experienced and what the true love of Christ looks like, what the true person of Christ looks like, what righteousness actually looks like. The truth of that, separating those things out and figuring out is God really my God? Yeah. Will I accept him as, as my Lord and Savior? Will I live that and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Doing that is important and it's necessary. Right. It's necessary on the Christian journey as you as you grow from childhood to adulthood. If you meet him as an adult, that is necessary as you transition from living externally and temporally to living outside of outside of this physical realm and really going to a place with Lord Jesus Christ so that you can live beyond this world when you pass on. So that you don't have such a temporal viewpoint even while you're here. So that you actually have a hope in which we live in. So that you can actually stand in what it, ha- what it means to actually have faith in something that you do not see. Mm-hmm. Those things are important. But when we land on a, like you said, poking holes in, in the actual truth of God so that I can fill it with whatever is more palatable to me, then we're dealing with um, a carnal Yes. experience a carnal issue filling it with carnal experiences and expecting a very spiritual god to um to co-sign or make room for that and that mm-hmm. isn't even where Derrida was coming from no he wasn't he um wanted again one the line of thought is to consider that maybe what we have overlooked or deemed insignificant could have some truth to it and should be considered or maybe the truth is in those places and Mm -hmm. what has been deemed insignificant um but i love what you said that and i just want to just reiterate that it is important to do that you need to know why if you are a christian why are you a christian Mm -hmm. why do you believe in god is it because this is how you were raised Mm -hmm. have you truly met jesus christ the man christ jesus um is it because like we we all have our different reasons or or the, even the different journeys or the different routes that we took to get to this point to where we're saying we are a Christian, but why do you believe what you believe? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for you to know that. And the reason why it's important is because when you know why you believe in Jesus Christ and why you are opting to choose him every single day, um, that anchors you. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that anyone can say or do that's going to cause you to be completely dismantled from his hand. And you say you don't want anything to do, anything else to do with him. Yeah. I was sharing with Whitney, uh, even when I was like college age, or maybe I had just graduated from college, but I recognize even at that point, if my faith in Jesus Christ had been dependent on people, I would have walked away from this thing called Christianity a yes. long time ago. Yeah. Because again, people do some horrible, crass, wrong things mm-hmm. in the name of the Lord. It's been happening for ages. We can look at history and look at the things that have been done. But the reality is mm-hmm. we have got to be careful when we say, well, how can a good God allow certain things to happen? And if God really loved me, this is why it's important 
to separate people from God. Mm -hmm. And it can be easy to equate him to people because this is what we're looking at. This is why it's important. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is what we experience. This is the world we're in. Um, This is what we're seeing. And especially when people come in the name of the Lord, yes, it it is easy to believe that they are in line with God. When you're looking at a, a minister, a preacher, a pastor, they're your leader. It's it's easy to just settle and trust mm-hmm. that they are who they say they are and that they represent God. But then when you see them, when you see them do something that they shouldn't do, then that can be very confusing. Mm-hmm. But this is why, again, it's important to know who God is and know Him for yourself. And you have to get to a point. Um, and have the experience where Jesus really does become yours mm-hmm. because otherwise you will be easily swayed yeah. to, to just say, Hey, look, I'm going to walk away from this. Anybody can walk away from an idea. We've got to get beyond the, the, the aspect that God is just this cool idea up in the sky because you can always change your mind. You can always walk away from an idea, but when you know him as truth and he is the truth, when you know him as a person, when yes. you know him as truth, you are anchored by that truth. Yes. And the thing about truth is that it is unto all generations. God's faithfulness, his truth is unto all generations. His truth does not change regardless of the year, the decade we go into, the millennia we go into. The, the generation that co- go- comes in, goes mm-hmm. out, his truth, his faithfulness does not change. Mm-hmm. It is permanent. He is permanent. He is a person. He is real. But I, I think it's also important for us to know and to believe and accept it's okay if you have questions. It's okay if you're not sure about certain things you've been taught, things you've been raised to believe, things that you've seen. I, it really is okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of your journey because God has to get you to a point where he sheds you yes. of every other person's idea of who he is and he can show you who he is and you see him as he is for yourself and you know that you know that you know that he is and that you belong to him. Mm-hmm.